This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to all of our listeners. I hope that you're enjoying this series on coaching as a leadership style. It's part of our culture here at Family Church. At Family Church, we have three teams that give leadership to our church. We call them our network resources team, our campus pastors team, and our matrix team. And this is where things get a little bit complicated. And Leslie Bennett, you're with us again today. Since you're the communications director, why don't you try to explain the matrix? I'd love to try to do that. Well, our matrix team is really our ministry team. It's the people who set the philosophy and strategy for our age group ministries, mostly adults, students, kids, worship, as well as our community partnerships, missions, residency, and other leadership pipelines that help resource our campuses with qualified leaders. So their player coach is with us today. His name is Derek Simpson. Derek, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks, Leslie, for having us. So I grew up in a church very similar to Family Church in a lot of ways, very dissimilar in a lot of ways also because it was in Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> yeah. Kansas uh, isn't a whole lot like West Palm Beach, is it? about as far away from you, from the beaches yeah. you can you can get. That's right. But I uh, had two awesome parents that uh, knew and loved Christ and raised me in a church uh, that loved the Bible and uh, my sister and I. And I actually met my wife, Megan, there at that church when I was in sixth grade. We didn't get married in sixth grade. But <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to hear that. That's right. But in 2002, I moved to Louisville, Kentucky. And from 2002 to 2015, we're serving churches in, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky and East Tennessee, mostly in the area of family ministry, so youth and family ministry. Uh, we've got four kids. I call them the Thundering Herd. That's my affectionate <laughs> yeah. uh, nickname for them. They're beautiful uh, kids. Yeah, they're wonderful kids. Four kids, all within about four or five years of one another. So they're they're a lot of fun. In 2015, we moved to South Florida and started leading our student ministry team here. I think we had five campuses at the time, and just had a we've had a blast being in in South Florida and serving at Family Church. Derek, it's awesome to have you and Megan here on our team. And, you know, in our current paradigm at Family Church, we like to say that our matrix team leaders serve as in-house consultants to our campus pastors and directors. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about what that looks like and how we coach them, the matrix team, and then how we coach them to coach others all the way sure. down the line to our volunteers. It's a very important part of what we're doing. So let's just use Christian Ramos, who is the leader of all of our worship teams. So he's the leader of worship leaders here at Family Church. Tell us what it means for him to be an in-house consultant. Sure, yeah. And Christian's such a great example and model of this. And uh, first, let's talk about Christian a little bit. Christian, just an awesome guy, just ridiculously talented worship leader and uh, musician and creative. But he's also, you know, he's, he's a serious theologian and a, and a pastor. Uh, yep. with a lot of responsibility. So he directs all of our worship ministries at our downtown campus, it includes a choir, an orchestra, band members, vocalists, worship leaders. And he's on top of that, he's a great dad and husband and father and leader and a great friend. To, he is to for me. sure. We call uh, our matrix leaders, you know, we're, we've, we've organized our, our, organiz- our team around kind of a matrix idea that every one of them has 
two responsibilities. They have two bosses, so to speak. And so just uh, like Jesus said, right? That's Make right. sure you have two bosses. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so they all have a, a campus pastor and they all have a, a matrix leader. And so Christian does a great job of modeling this for our team and really helping them understand how to leverage that to help serve the campus pastor. But he's responsible for all the vision and strategy and leadership development for all of our worship leaders at every single campus. And so that looks like him setting the vision for what it looks like to be a worship leader at one of all our right. campuses and how to choose songs and helps collaboratively lead that team to choose songs that reflect what we believe is a church and and also just to reach and impact our culture here in South Florida. Yeah, and it's so vital what Christian does because you're talking about everything from song selection to you're talking about it's impacting musical style, all the aesthetics in the various worship venues where we have church every Sunday, from what people wear. You know, in a multicultural church like ours, you have all kinds of issues with that. Uh, what is what is modest, what is appropriate, what is what fits our style. And so Christian's having to manage all of that. And then he's having to coach a lot of people, both patients paid people, full-time people, part-time people, and then, you know, just scads of volunteers between all of the different people who function at all of the different campuses. And so he's been doing that on our team for 13 years and everybody loves Christian a lot. And because of that, he's, you know, sought after by people all over the country, but he serves as an in-house consultant. So he's hands-on at our downtown campus leading the worship teams, but then he is a consultant to all of our campus pastors and all of our worship leaders everywhere. And he's the coach for all of our worship leaders. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And so I think this is an important point. You know, he's an, he's an active uh, consultant. He's kind of a forward-leaning consultant. Right. He's not just sitting on the sidelines just waiting to say, hey, if somebody wants to call, they can call. Good. He, he knows all of these campus pastors. He's helped recruit a lot of the, the worship leaders on their teams, and he cares about it. I mean, he's, he's a pastor at the church, and so he cares about their success. And so he's he's actively looking for ways to help make their teams better and help them align you know, with what their goals are as a campus and as a campus pastor. And I like that you said he's a forward-leaning consultant. So I think all of us can learn from that because whether you're leading a big team or a small team or a team of paid people or volunteers, if you're the leader, you've got to lean in and coach. So you're going to see opportunities for people to improve, uh, to do things better, to to move towards a goal in a, in a better way. And you've got to help them do that. Leslie, you know, when we had Chris Hobbs here with us on the podcast, he talked a lot about that. And I just think this idea that we are coaching people on purpose, but part of that, as Chris said, is you got to find people who are willing to be coached. That's right. And I think worship is a really good example of how the matrix comes into play for our campus pastors and directors, because it probably is an area where a lot of them feel like they need help and they need a coach. And so I think the fact that they it goes both ways, I think, on our teams, you know, as we work together in that matrix organization, there's the person that brings that experience to bear. And then the campus pastor and that worship leader at the campus who's willing to receive that and willing to be coached. No question. And he really is a subject matter expert. So he can help kind of Oftentimes, a campus pastor will know something that they like or something they don't like, but they really have no idea how to how to get what they've currently got going on. Yeah, like they, me. Yeah, that's I'm right. like, hey, I like that song. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly I right. I have no idea how you make that happen. Yeah, but Christian actually, can actually tell you why you yeah. like it and what he's doing to, to make it like that. And so he just does such a great job with all of that. And so Christian's on your team, and so he serves on the Matrix team. You have some others. You know, Bev Bonner serves with our groups and First Impressions and uh, Connections, and uh, George Esternell works with all of our children's ministry teams. 
teams. You are standing in right now because we're trying to hire a, a student pastor That's to work right, with yeah. all of our student ministry teams. So all of our listeners out there, you want to apply, <laughs> knock yourself out. That's, that's right. <laughs> okay. Come on. Yeah. So there's all kinds of, uh, all kinds of people that um, you're supervising. How do you, Derek, coach those people that are on your team? Sure. Yeah. You just mentioned some of them, but I mean, it really is a, such a talented group and such an experienced group. And so my job is really not to there's some things from time to time that I might be able to, to teach or, or lead them through. But really, my job is the job of, of any leader and any coach, I think, is to do two things, to make sure that we're al- aligned with our vision and our mm-hmm. strategy. Because we have some great, great people. They've got great ideas and oftentimes more creativity and more initiatives than, than we really have energy or resources to put behind. And so I want to make sure that they're aligned with what our church is trying to do and, and they're clear about that. And then uh, get out in front of and knock down barriers. These are great, high-powered leaders uh, that can really do a lot. And so my job is just to, to make their job easier and, and get in front of them as much as I can and help knock down those barriers to growth. All right, and that's true for when you're dealing with a paid team, which you have a pretty large paid team that serves on your team. But then ever since I've known you, you've been working in student ministry, which meant you had an army of 100 or more adult volunteers that you're trying to coach. And then you actually are an expert at developing volunteer internship teams with college kids. And so I've seen you have a hundred or more adult volunteers. And in addition to that, another team of 30 or 40 or 50 volunteer interns that serve in a high capacity. So how do you even coach volunteers? Because most of the people listening to our podcast don't have a large paid staff. They're dealing with volunteers. Sure. And I really think the volunteer environment is actually where you learn this leadership skill the best. Uh, because they're volunteers. That's right. right, right. Nobody's getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> when you're dealing with paid staff, they, they have some additional motivations that keep them showing up and at least faking a good attitude or, or right. following through with what you're uh, asking them to do. And so I really think this the volunteer environment and volunteer-driven cultures is where you really learn this leadership skill. And so I, I think it's so much about relationships, first and foremost, is you've got to have relationships, especially when you're dealing with volunteers. And, and they've got to believe that you're invested in their success and you're not just wanting something from them, but you're trying to That's give them an opportunity to, to do ministry. And that, you know, spiritually, I mean, pastorally, you want them to succeed. And God's gifted every person in your church to do something for the kingdom and something for the body. And part of our job is to help free them up, to equip them to do the work of the ministry. That's what Ephesians tells us to do. And Leslie, you and I have had a lot of conversations about that, just constantly um, reminding uh, one another to see our volunteers and even our paid team that 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 work on our teams, um, seeing them as people that we are investing in. At least we want to invest in them more than what we're getting from them, in other words, you know, because we don't want to take a utilitarian view of people. And you and I have right. talked a lot about yeah. that. Yeah, it's super important because that's really what we're called to do. Like you said, Ephesians 4.12, equip, equip them for the work of ministry that God's called them to. Um, so what about challenges, Derek? Do you ever face any challenges as you work to coach um, some of the people you're working no, with? No, never. No, next, it's super easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we have all kinds of challenges. And especially, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about, we think bivocational ministry is going to play a huge part in to the 21st century and what church growth looks like. And especially in, in under-churched areas like South Florida. Uh, so so Bivo presents a very a lot of unique challenges to leading teams and teams of volunteers. They can't just meet Even, whenever you want. They can't just show no, up whenever you that's want. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. right. So that's something every one of our teams right now across our matrix team is trying to figure out how do I get more face time with people? Because we've also said that multi-site churches, uh, meetings, we, we place a high value on meetings. And so those two things are held in tension, you know, 
So that's a challenge for us. That's something that we're continually trying to get better. And, and our teams are working really hard to create all kinds of different solutions from non-traditional meeting times to non-traditional meeting formats and trying to use technology more to get more face. And that's a, that's a big challenge for us. And then, you know, another one is how do we, uh, it's, it's related, but it's different. How do we learn from one another? How do we share best practices across different environments? That's a, that's a big part of what we value here and just getting those leaders in the same room and how do we learn from one another? Yeah, and I think that that's kind of goes to the church for the rest of us idea of this idea of scalability. And I feel like we have to work really hard at that sometimes when you have a big campus with a lot of resources. Um, how do you scale that down to the smaller campus that doesn't have as many resources and as many people? And I think that's where our matrix team is so valuable because you have somebody who's, you know, a little more of a one person operation right. and yet they can have the, you know, advice and the um, expertise of somebody that can help them do worship well or do students well or do kids really well and that might be a bivocational person and being able to resource them and bring them along with the team, I think is super important. Yeah. And I, and I would just say as an encouragement to you know listeners that may be in environments where they don't have that on their team, there's probably somebody in your region or in your city that is a subject matter expert. And if and they probably would be willing to help coach and, and train some volunteers or some people on your team that are less experienced. And so I would encourage, and, and some of our listeners probably are that person and they need to maybe even take an active role in their local network of churches to reach out and, and offer that. That's a good point. We just said that about Christian, that he takes that initiative. So yeah, if you're that person who could offer that to a church, um, then do it. That's they right. probably need you. That's right. No, yeah. there, there are. There's, I guarantee you there's pastors that are, that are dying for it. Yeah. yeah. I love the idea of best practices also, because best practices and sharing best practices, that is a great component of really every type of meeting that any of us should ever have, whether it's with volunteers, bivocational people, or paid people. Because, you know, even when I was a student pastor, and Derek, you've been a student pastor, is pulling our volunteer teams together. So if you have like somebody's working with middle school girls and high school girls and high school boys and middle school boys, letting everybody hear what are you doing in your groups that are working? How are you interacting with the kids? What kind of activities are you having outside? How are you discipling these kids? Letting them, it's amazing what bubbles up when leaders get to share uh, best practices. And I've been in volunteer environments tons of times where I heard another volunteer say, a team say, oh, we got our kids together on Friday night and did this kind of a missions project. And of course, I'm thinking, Man, why didn't I think of that? I'm doing that next Friday, right? right. Yeah, and just right. let the best practices bubble up. And such a powerful idea when you're coaching. Hey, what are you, what are you learning, Derek? Because you're having to coach a lot of people. And and, and be honest, um, you're a very gifted coach. You grew up being coached. You're an athlete at a high level. Um, you're a hard worker. You were discipled by amazing pastors and student pastors. But you are now in a role that's got more responsibility. You got more volunteers. You got more paid people, more bivocational people that are looking to you for leadership than you've ever had in your entire life. Sure. So, what are you learning as you coach your teams? Well, you know, for the last uh, six months or so, we've really started thinking and talking more internally with our team about th serving one another and, and extending that biblical idea of servant leadership mm -hmm. to one another and thinking about even the way that we perform our tasks and do our jobs within the within the framework of customer service. And that's just been a, such a great thing for me personally to really think about all of the internal and external customers that I personally have and that our teams have. And, and that's been a, it's been a really uh, transformative thing in the way, just the way that I've thought about leadership and thought about ministry. You know, that's a big lesson that I'm learning and something I'm really pressing into. 
All right. Now, Derek, one of the things that you have to do because you're interacting with all of these different teams, but then your teams and your leaders that work with you are interacting with all of these campus pastors. Right. So Christian is because they're these consultants. How do you operate cross functionally and how do you train and coach your team to be cross functional? Yeah, that's a great question too. And I think we should probably clarify what when we say cross-functional, what we mean by that. We're just talking about when, uh, really when when more than two people from uh, teams that don't typically work together uh, are working together on a project or an initiative. And oftentimes it's a lot bigger than two, but either intentionally or sometimes unintentionally, it just kind of happens organically. That's a cross-functional environment for us. And so it looks a lot of different ways. You know, we have 11 campuses right now. So there's a lot of people and a lot of ministry teams that are talking and working together. And so two things that we're doing uh, right now, we're trying to intentionally create those cross-functional conversations. So we're trying to set them up and intentionally pull people into the room that say, don't normally work together and saying, hey, let's talk about this problem or this issue, this issue and let's try to, to flesh that out. And the other thing we're trying to do is just create a culture where we're inviting feedback and input from other people on other teams to be able to speak into our areas. They're not ours. We, we don't own them. We're just temporary you know, stewards of them. And so we're trying to do that in a more intentional way. Well, I love that. And, you know, one of the things that this is helping us do is when you talk about customer service, having cross-functional teams intentionally put in environments lets you think in a better way from your customer's perspective. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you're a student pastor and you've got these teams of volunteers, in one sense, you're the customer of your volunteers because your volunteers need to be trained and empowered and be put in a position to succeed as they disciple teenagers. On the other hand, the teenagers are your customers because you need to create an environment that's uh, vigorous and exciting and inviting so that they come and they bring their friends. On the other hand, their parents are your customers because their parents, especially if they're middle schoolers, are the ones driving them there, transporting there, funding the events that they're going to attend and the different materials that you're going to ask them to buy. And the parents have to feel like the stuff that the kids are learning at church is worth it and uh, that the effect it's having on their kids is worth it. So you have all of these kind of external customers, and then you have internal customers, and you are an internal customer. That's right. So like you are having to respond to the facilities team and interact with the worship ministry team and make sure that what you're doing on Wednesday night doesn't interfere with choir practice and make sure that the choir people have a place for their kids to go, and then you got to make sure the part... So you're having to be cross-functional. That's right. And if you don't intentionally get in these environments and put team members who are at every level in these environments, it's easy for the youth guys to just kind of sit over there, come up with their solution that sounds good to them. And then it's not a very good solution. So I love that about being cross-functional, thinking of yourself as a customer and then inviting uh, feedback from other teams. What would you say is the biggest obstacle to coaching these teams that you're coaching right now? Yeah, I think, and if I could say two, number one, I think sometimes, and this might be one of the biggest mistakes that I've made in leadership in the past, and I'm trying to, and that I'm learning uh, through this whole experience too at Family Church, is I think too often we can sometimes pigeonhole leaders on our team or volunteers just based off of their job description or their duty title and think that they, they don't have anything to add to the conversation outside of what they do or what they're primarily responsible for. And I think there's a lot of churches uh, that have janitors and receptionists and uh, business administrators and things that are that are speaking into, that could speak into uh, their church in a more effective way. But I think communication too is just always, anytime you survey any team, uh, what's your biggest frustration with the team, as great as the team is, communication is always going to bubble up. Um, we just did one of those surveys with our team a couple of weeks ago, and uh, all across the responses, we're seeing communication, communication, communication. So we're trying to get better at it. 
but when, especially when you're working in cross-functional environments, inevitably, uh, somebody's going to be brought into the, the conversation late. Not everybody is at the point of mm-hmm. origin in the conversation. Good. And so I think being okay with the idea that a conversation is happening uh, before and, and uh, it comes to you at some point and not responding and not getting your feelings hurt and not getting frustrated and getting mad. And uh, they didn't think about how this is going to impact my area or being upset with uh, why wasn't I consulted earlier, but just accepting the fact that, hey, it's a, this is a conversation that's happening evolving and getting our team to feel comfortable with that idea that not every person has to be at the point of origin. Because as uh, your team gets bigger and as you get more creative in how you reach people, it's just hard to get have everybody in the room at the same time. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, how many times have we had that uh, conversation where we'll have a meeting with now? Here's what we're here's what we're kind of struggling with, and somebody at the meeting will go, "Why am I just hearing about this now?" I'm like, because we just had the meeting to tell you. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> this that's is right. you haven't been overlooked. We actually called this meeting to tell you. But also, just the importance of just realizing you really can never over communicate. That's yeah. Sometimes point too. you feel like that's I've right. communicated this and I've communicated this, but you need to communicate it again. So it kind of does go both ways, you know, like the origin of communication but also just being more mindful of are we clearly communicating the things that need to be communicated to the point of almost I feel like I'm over-communicating it, but it probably does need to be communicated again because the one time that you don't do that is the time that somebody says, oh, I didn't know, and you think, I guess I should have communicated it that one more time. That's right, and that's so. why you're our communications director. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Hey, if I can wrap this all up, yeah, if I can wrap this all up, let me just say four things that I'm kind of getting from Derek from what you're saying and Leslie from what you've chimed in. But one, I think we need to give a lot of vision to our teams. So coaching involves giving a lot of vision. Secondly, I think coaching means you got to do a lot of listening. You got to listen to your team, treat them like customers because they really are. And you need to ask a lot of questions, find out what they're really thinking pro beneath the service. And finally, I think you got to give a lot of love. You got to build the relationships it takes to build the relational bridges to carry truth back and forth across between you and the people that you're trying to coach. And this is going to conclude our three-part series on how our players coaches lead their team. So Derek, thanks for joining us today. Leslie, always fun to have you on. We're going to be talking more about this at our Sharper Conference this spring, and we want to hear how you are creating a thriving church culture. So register today at sharperconference.com. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on March the 7th here in West Palm Beach. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.